I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. Um, I mean, it's just more questions you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gents. Episode number 35, I believe today is. And today we have an awesome guest in Laura Martin. I'm very excited to introduce her and, and uh, what she has to offer for us. Right before we jump into it, I just want to talk about a few announcements. This isn't really an announcement, but I just barely got back our 2022 wrapped um, for our Spotify and the podcast. And it was really dope. There's some really cool announcements on there. We are in the top 15% worldwide of podcasts shared, which is really cool. Um, so, And they're also a little behind. So I was wondering if we're a little more than that because on Spotify, it's got us in 12 countries, but we're actually in 25 countries. So I'm wondering if it's a little behind as well. But to all my fans listening... Thank you very much for always listening, and I really appreciate it. And thank you for sharing it. I think that was really cool. And it talked mostly about the fans, which is dope. And then it talked about a couple of the cool things that we've gotten. We've seen like 180% growth over the last six months, which is dope. So thank you guys for listening. It's been really good, and things have gone great. Anywho, that's all that I have. We are going to jump right in. Once again, this is Laura Martin. She is a trauma and relationship specialist. And she's leading a movement to help you find love without the triggers of your past getting in your way. She is the founder of the Healing to Happy brand. And she is known for her unique approach to activating you to a clear trauma to find freedom in mind, body, and soul. And relationships. <laughs> Laura, welcome to the podcast. Oh my goodness. Thanks for having me. And congrats on the podcast and all the cool things. Hey, That's amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Yeah, it was pretty hype. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you for coming on today. If you want to explain, I guess, exactly what you do, because I can say that, and I don't know if everybody's going to understand, because our conversation just the other day, you do a lot of cool stuff. And so if you'd like to, please. Yeah, I'm a wizard of love. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> but I help mainly <laughs> high-achieving women that have built these careers, and they've really used that survivor complex to build awesome things. Like, they've... They've done incredible stuff, but when it comes to love, that's just not their their zone of genius. And teaching mm -hmm. them how to soften into their relationships and really move out of these triggers and these traumas that might have happened because of childhood or past relationships or past heartaches or things like that, where like they're kind of emasculating men or like pushing men away or the relationship that they want. It doesn't necessarily have to be men, but um and really teaching them how to tap back into their heart beyond just, you know, we go to therapy and we do this cerebral stuff. And I don't know if you've experienced this and I love therapy, mm. but like it doesn't work all the time, like because trauma is stored in the body yeah. and you can't intellectually think your way out of trauma. Like you have to complete the cycle. And so we work through that. We use the mind, body and soul. And I like my approach because it's not necessarily woo woo. Like when I was going through my stuff, a lot of it was like womb work and go to Bali and spend time here. And like, I definitely did that, but also I'm a bougie human. Like I wanted something that like <laughs> stimulated my left brain that I could also do, you know, 
in a city or like in a running a corporate business or doing something as a CEO that wasn't so like, let me connect my womb. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like really navigating these kind of (laughs) for a modern woman. That's like looking for something that's a little bit more left brain and relatable. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Very, very cool. And so you kind of ultimately, you find these ladies who are very successful and they've been doing a lot of awesome things, but oftentimes some of their success, it comes with blocks of, or or walls of, hey, I need to turn away from relationships. I need to turn away from A, B, and C. How do you help people? I don't know. What's the, what's the start when you get somebody who has kind of been like, I'm going to put up walls and I'm just going to go, I'm going to be the CEO of whatever. How do you help them kind of take down those walls a little bit and incorporate both their CEO and, and successful side with their heart and their loving side? Yeah, I call it like the sacred savage because you don't want to lose it. That's the thing that I know when I was going on this journey, I didn't want to give up my business, right? Like I love that part of me. I love being a CEO. I love being busy. I love immersing myself deeply in this. But when I was home at night, it's like I really was craving love. You know, at, at the later evenings, it was like I could distract myself with work. Of course, that's how I built my company. I was didn't want to be alone at night, mm. so I had a new baby. But ultimately you hit this success and it's like, at least for the people I work with, it's like, what's it worth? What's it worth if you're alone at the top, you know, and you feel alone and you feel jaded and you're, you're scared. So it's like, I don't convince people of it because it's not for everyone, but there's a certain type of woman that's like, Hey, I built this and I want someone to share it with. And they're, they're already stepping into that arena of, I want to take my walls down. Maybe they've gone to therapy. They've done things like that, but they're like, but yet I'm still repeating these cycles in my relationships. I'm either, you know, dating cheaters or I'm dating narcissists or I'm dating like mama boys or like whatever. And they want to be led by their partner, but they're calling in the wrong type of thing. So they have this awareness and they've Mm -hmm. already started to dismantle their walls, but it's not yet where it wants it to be. So I don't convince people. They they lead themselves, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just kind of the destination after they've somewhat made that change already. Yeah. Um, how, have you found any common, because I know that all of us, whether it's trauma, bad experiences, whatever's happened in our past, there's certain things that trigger us to put up walls and to live life kind of hard. Um, have you noticed any trends or anything that's like every single person I meet with, they all have this in common or is it all just all over? I mean, parental things usually stemmed it and it's usually the fear of rejection and abandonment Mm -hmm. because of a heartbreak or something a parent said, or maybe a parent did abandon them. Um, and they built up these walls of, well, if I build up this fortress, no one can hurt me. No one can abandon me. No one can reject Mm. me. I can't be disappointed. But ultimately, you're already disappointing yourself because you're lonely, but then you're afraid that you're going to get left. So you're disappointing yourself before even stepping into the arena that you want to be in. So I would say the main Mm. underlying things is the fears of rejection and abandonment. Yeah, I guess overall in my own life, whenever I've been pissed off at somebody or something or something's going wrong or I'm just flustered, I I tend to be like, you know, it'd be better if I was just all by myself because <laughs> then I wouldn't have to deal with anybody's crap. I wouldn't have to deal with all these outside things that are affecting me, yada, yada. But then over time, I'm one who, thankfully, I've been able to self 
reflect pretty easily and I pause and I'm like, listen, if you're all alone, you would lose your mind first off. Um, <laughs> but it would be so much worse for you. Um, I assume you find people who have that m mentality all the time. Yeah, where it's like, I'd just rather be alone. But like, they don't necessarily always feel alone because they have impact and influence. You know, it's like, it's kind of, mm. oh, my work keeps me busy enough so I don't necessarily feel alone until we kind of hit a wall where it's like, oh shit, like, I don't know, oh, sorry. We don't have any like deep connections or things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, and also that's the difference between men and women. Men are like back in like our primal brains, like y'all were made to be alone you could survive you're hunters like you were made for that women if we were alone hmm. that meant we died we couldn't we weren't hunters you know like we didn't know how to we would get left from the tribes and that's why women are more made for connection but yet we've been raised in society where it's like you got to be the cool girl and like don't have emotions and don't do the things and we've just kind of grown up where it's like don't be too much be seen but not heard and it's kind of escalated to these elements where we don't actually know how to tap into this like wait no i want someone like it's okay to be attached it's okay mm -hmm. to want connection like we live in a world especially in modern dating where it's like no don't say that like that's too much that means you're needy and it's like no it doesn't you're a human yeah. you have needs like that's a normal thing to want connection and to crave connection and like want someone to be there that doesn't take away your power that actually gives you more strength because that's more vulnerable hmm yeah, I like that a lot. And I really like your approach. It seems more of you're not trying to take away like the women's progressiveness in any way. You're like, no, let's combine the two and take what you have already and then take relationships as well and mend them together. Exactly. Um, and I really like that because I think balance is... I think balance is probably the most important thing that we need in this life and especially where the opposite sexes we just are so good together if we're completely by ourselves and we completely only with dudes or only with girls i mean we'd suck in the long run <laughs> i mean there's just no way but when we work together it's really cool to see that both sides of the relationship are beneficial and these are yeah. the things i assume that and sorry it's not, i don't know it's, if you're gonna say something yeah, no, it's, it's one of those things as well that you'll notice, like if you're only hanging out with like your partner, right? Like if I'm only hanging out with my partner, I'm going to start picking up these like masculine traits. And that's not what any, like he doesn't want that. But if we're only surrounded by men, quote unquote, being the cool girl, only having guy friends, only doing these things, it's like you're picking up these masculine traits because that's who you're surrounded by. So it's like we have to blend these. So like women around women, we can get softer, but like we also can hang out with men so we can you know, ha we all have masculine and feminine traits. So being able to spend time and together and apart is actually the balance of us as human beings. But oftentimes we're either alone or <laughs> I don't know, with like one person and we're not growing and we're not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. So Laura, Every time, here's a trend that happens on my podcast all the time because I talk with people who do awesome things like you and who are doing some pretty like out there stuff. The one trend that always is, is every single time somebody does something, I guess, meaningful or more out there, it's because it stems from something that's happened to them in their lives. 
and I know we've talked a little bit about your history. And so let's let's shift gears. I want to talk all about Laura Patricia Martin. <laughs> and um, by the way, this is completely off topic, but every time I'm on the phone, I, I work and I do sales, and so I'm on the phone a lot. And every time I tell them my name is Monson, everybody thinks I say Martin. <laughs> and so I read that, and I'm like, dang, Martin, every single time. But it's a good name. Um, so for you, Laura, what made you go down this path? What kind of things, I guess, happened in your life that made you feel the way you do? Yeah, so I have a laundry list of, like, big T trauma that had happened in my life, ranging mm -hmm. from, you know, sexual assault to domestic violence to addiction to loss of a parent due to addiction, um, eating disorders, mm -hmm. things of that nature. And I went on a journey of self-discovery, but the problem is, no matter where you go, I moved to Asia for a while, and no matter where you go, your trauma is going to follow you. It doesn't really matter. You actually have to face it. You can't just run away. But after I lost my mom unexpectedly when I was 22 years old, I left to Asia, found my way into um, a domestically violent relationship with someone, which also led me to using drugs and drinking extensively and abusing it and deeply in codependent mm. tendencies, trauma bonding, things of that nature. And I didn't see it. You know, I, I just thought that's where my worth was. And I, I understood there was a problem, but like, I couldn't, I it felt like I was addicted to a person. Like it was the weirdest feeling in my body that I had. And mm -hmm. at 24 was when, um, it was like knees on the floor moment. Like I can't do this anymore. Questioning, taking my life, things like that. And I realized it wasn't that I wanted to necessarily die. It was just, I could not live that way anymore. Like where I was, how I was going, I couldn't do it. And so I had spoken to a friend and she was like, Hey, you have a, at the time I had a very deep eating disorder. And she was like, you have a really messed up relationship with food. Why don't you go study it? And I was like, sure. Why not? Um, so I became a health coach and that business just like took off. I like, I make the joke that I'm an accidental entrepreneur because that was like healing to happy first rendition was around gut health and IBS anxiety and all this kind of stuff. And it held me to this new caliber. It gave me a new purpose. I got, I went to the 12 steps. I got help, but I went, but like, I then had like this trauma bonding relationship with my business and, you know, food. And I was very obsessed with it all. And I had no balance because I still, again, wasn't facing my problems. I even remember my new uh, naturopath at the time being like, do you want to talk about how your trauma is related to all of your health issues? And I was like, what trauma? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> Mind you, my life was chaotic. And then my health just really hit a turn. And I was giving a workshop in front of like hundreds of people. And this rash had taken over my body for like eight months at that time. And, but it was like on the backside of my body so I could hide it. But this time I was standing in front of these people. I think it was like my 26th birthday, I want to say. And this rash was on my face. You can't hide your face. Like, I can't do that. And I'm supposed to be talking about health. And I'm, like, doing all these things. And people are taking photos. And I'm, like, I can't even smile because my face, like, it hurts so bad. And, like, that little freaking mm. bird is, like, sitting on my shoulder. And I'm, like, dang. Her name was Penny, my naturopath. I'm, like, Penny was right. Like, I need to look at this stuff because my diet is perfect. I have the success that I thought. But, like, this isn't working for me. And so I dove into trauma and... I was already in that field anyways, gut brain connection. Like I still use all of that stuff, but just in a more somatic way is what I kind of started to deal with it and, you know, release all these trauma responses from my body, go back, study it because I'm very left brain and I need to study stuff. And, um, 
found my way into relationships and just at the essence I have. So my mom passed because, because she didn't have any regulation. It was like her life was being a mother and a wife. And when that was taken from her, she didn't know what to do. And she got into drugs and alcohol. And I have this like inner little girl belief in me that it's like, if you have such a good relationship with yourself, if, if I can help heal these women that think like my mom was successful, she was in magazine, like, but she didn't have that soft heart. She just had all these fortresses around her. Like none of us even knew what was going on. I didn't like, it's heartbreaking to even think people are in that way. Like we don't know so many people around us because all of us are building these shells of protection around us because of trauma that we're too afraid to freaking speak of. And so I have this like little belief inside of me because I also walked this where it's like, if we can teach these strong women to have a strong spine, but a soft front somehow like in me, I'm like, I can like heal the loss of my mother or like move the needle on addiction in some type of way. And like really giving these women purpose. And that comes from relationship because yes, learning how to date, whatever, but like at the core, it's you, how are you in relationship? What gives you that feminine flow? What gives you this self of like certainty in yourself? And so, you know, I just tried all these outlets to save my own life as I was Mm -hmm. on this journey. And thankfully healing to happy has been this like just portal of growth and container for my own journey. And then people saw what was happening and they're like, cool, I'm in. And now it's just been this like global movement, which has been beyond my wildest dreams that I'm wildly obsessed with. (laughs) Yeah, that is so cool. That is so awesome. I love as well, just to throw this out there, I like noticing things like this, but I love as well that it wasn't like, you took care of literally everything in its dog and then started doing what you're doing, but it was as you were taking care of stuff, you were doing what you're doing, Um, which I think is so awesome because, I mean, like all of us, some point or another, we're like, I'm going to go to the gym, and it's like a Tuesday. You're like, ah, but Tuesday, I don't want to start on Tuesday, otherwise I missed a day. I might as well wait till next Monday. (laughs) It's like, no, just start then. And so I really like that as you were coming to understand what you wanted to do with um, the happiness, like what you wanted to do with everything, you were at the same time helping yourself while helping others, which I think is is a really important thing. Um, I want to ask you about, because you, you'll know more about this than I will. I have seen, it, this is another, I like picking up on trends, and another trend that I've seen with a lot of the guests that I've had on recently is them talking about how health like remind me what it is it's mind gut say that again what was it oh gut brain connection you you, the gut brain connection there we go gut brain connection (laughs) yes and the past couple of people who have been on my podcast have talked similar things about this about how health um, is affected of course by what you're eating but then as well by the traumas and things in our lives that that affect it and so if you could explain a little bit more to me how that works i'd love it yeah so your gut and your brain are in constant communication through this thing called the vagus nerve it's your longest cranial nerve going from your brain stem to your gut and it gives off these things called Mm. action potentials and it controls all of your survival organs essentially and so you can eat the healthiest and when so when trauma happens or when you're overworked or even like micro traumas so this is 
I don't know, you get sick and then a family member and you fight with this person or you're, you're in a shitty, sorry, in a bad relationship and you know, you're constantly fighting with them. Like those are little micro things that set this off, which will then once your vagus nerve gets overstimulated, it shuts off. And so your survival organs have to overwork themselves because they're not getting the nutrients from these action potentials because your, you know, nervous system isn't working properly. And so when this happens with trauma and things like that, no matter how good you're eating, your body is not absorbing it. That's why I was saying like my body was telling me all the time, Hey ma'am, you're not listening. And I was having panic attacks and I was having IBS and I was having, you know, these random skin things happen. Like there was so much happening with my, I didn't even have a period for five years and I wasn't paying attention to it. You know, I was just like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Like, this is just a thing that happens, but quote unquote, I'm teaching health. Like this wasn't no. And I was like, I, if I just keep eating the right thing, my body will catch up. But even though I was, I, my diet was absolutely perfect. I knew, I know so much about nutrition, right? But my body wasn't absorbing it, which was the hard thing. And once I tapped into actually releasing trauma, re-stimulating my vagus nerve to get things moving again, making sure my body wasn't in fight or flight all the time, especially around meal times, my body could then absorb the nutrients plus release the trauma hormones that were cycling in my body. Like it's, it's a both and conversation. It wasn't just like, let me just focus on nutrition and hopefully, you know, my anxiety will go away because, you know, let's understand brain foods and genius foods. It's like, no, you also have to have your life support the the outcome mm. that you want. You can't just eat your way out of your trauma. Like that does not work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think, and it's cool that your eating disorder was even healthy based, but you still, cause most people, when I think of an eating disorder, you think, oh, the eating unhealthy, have an addiction to sugar or something like that. Yeah. But it's like, no, I was still eating the best I could possibly eat, but it was a disorder because all these other things a, were affected. I was it. obsessed with it. Wow. So I, I was, it's called orthorexia. It's when like, I was that girl mm. that I can remember a time, like I went to a friend's party with, it was like in an Indian restaurant, but I was on once again, another freaking cleanse. And I was there drinking a green smoothie while everyone else is eating Indian food, looking at me like I'm a crazy person. And I thought that was normal. And like, it was not at all, not like that is not a normal thing to do if, cause that was stressing my body out so, so much. And I get it. People go on cleanses. I'm all about like resetting things, but like I was resetting things for four years straight. You should have to reset things one time and like be good. But I yeah. was obsessed with it because Again, I hadn't healed the trauma and being obsessed with my diet gave me a sense of control because the one thing, if your life is kind of spinning chaotically, I see this often. The one thing you can control is your body. So I was working out three mm -hmm. times a day and I was eating so clean and I was, I would call it fasting and I would say all these kind of things, but I wasn't one women of reproductive age shouldn't be fasting anyways. And I was fasting for like 24 hours. Like I was fasting for day, like days and I wasn't even hungry. And this is the complaint I get a lot. And it's like, you're not hungry because you're stressed out all the time. You should be hungry every three to four hours. You should be hungry when you wake up in the morning because you just fasted for eight hours. If you did that throughout the day, you would be hungry. You know, you would have skipped lunch and you'd be starving by dinner. Like that, if you look at it in wake times, that's how it is. And women just shouldn't be doing that. And I didn't understand this. And I was like, well, I'm just not hungry. So I'm not going to eat. And it's like, it, there's a reason for that. Look at it. And from there, you know, mm. 
everything was able to actually be processed. A well-nourished body plus healing the trauma plus looking at, you know, just self-respect, really. Yeah. I noticed that a lot, um, especially in my favorite meal by far is breakfast. <laughs> and uh, my favorite food is French toast. Um, but, which probably isn't, you know, anything amazingly nutritious. But I love... Like, he's like, banana bread, French toast. I'm like, no. <laughs> so good. So good. I have this candle. There's this place you can make candles. And I went on a date and we made uh, we made candles. And mine's literally French toast. Such a candle. Um, <laughs> but uh, I notice a lot, especially with women, is they don't ever eat breakfast. And mm -hmm. do you think that's kind of tied into this stress thing? Yeah, and the weight thing. People are like, well, let me eliminate one meal, you know? And it's a big mm. thing where it's like, well, I'm not hungry. And it's like, of course you're not hungry. When was the last time you ate breakfast? Like your body your body is a clock. It gets used to whatever you're feeding it, you know? it's It, it, it literally needs to be set, these reminders. And it, if you're not hungry in the morning, that's your stress hormones. I can bet you if you test your cortisol levels in the, high, in the morning, they're quite high. And I can also bet you you have anxiety. I can also bet you that there's a little bit of gut problems going on or hormonal issues that are also riding on the tail of that. It's like, look at these other symptoms. Mm -hmm. I've literally had clients that have been struggling with years of like SIBO and anxiety and panic attacks and things like that. And I remember her name was Kate and we had a call and she's like, I was screaming to my mom about this because she went home for the holiday. And she's like, I was screaming to my mom about this. So I was like, who would have thought? Just eating breakfast would heal half of the problems that I'm dealing with. And I'm like, me, I, I did, I knew that. That's why I told you to do it. Like, <laughs> but it's, it's wild. Where it's like, and like, people are like, well, I'm not hungry. And I'm like, that's perfectly fine. But can you have like a banana before you have your coffee and then work your way up? Like you have mm -hmm. to train your body to get hungry again. It's running on hormones, like on cortisol levels. And it's run on a system where it's, it's trained not to be hungry because it hasn't been fed. So just retrain your body and especially before coffee because you're going to be bugging your adrenals out and we really don't want to do that especially if you're trying to balance your hormones or like have children or anything like that yeah wow that's really interesting um i want to ask thank you for answering that question and yes. i want to kind of shift and ask you a little bit kind of back into your your personal journey and trials and things for you you used a term the other day that i really like you said um, you took radical responsibility in your situation. And I look at your situation and some pretty dark and t like really bad things. I mean, addiction, abuse, all these things just are things that on paper, if you, you don't blame someone for going down a bad path, if, if that's the situation. For yourself, I I'm I hold myself to a very high standard and the world will be like, yeah, months like I don't blame you. You I understand why you act the way that you act and me. I'm like, that's BS. I blame me and I'm mad at me. and I know I can do better. And I like to take this idea of radical responsibility for you. How did you get over the hump of because in some way or another, when we're going through trauma, we always kind of pity ourselves. Mm -hmm. How did you get over the hump of like my mom's died. I've been through all this crap. I have bad addictions. I have eating disorders. How did you get yourself to just be like, I, I got to do something about this? No one was going to come save me. You know, no one. And like, I had held that belief 
for so long that somehow my knight in shining armor would come and then I would be a good person and I would do these things and you know at first it wasn't even for me like what held helped me hold on at 24 was the thought of my brother I was like I he, like him getting this phone call he lost his best friend to suicide and a few months later lost his mother and then a few months later would lose his sister absolutely not like I couldn't do that um, and so that was the first part of it and then looking at the difference between fault and responsibility like I talk about this all the time if I and this happened when I was using drugs and you know getting in fights and living like everyone was like that makes sense because of all the things that happened like that path I was a statistic I was walking my statistical line sexual assault divorce domestic violence. like I was walking in the line that most people do right and no one blames that but I sat there and I was like well at four years old you know, when they ask you, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I told my parents I wanted to change the world. And I used to fill, I used to get these cutouts of, like, Gandhi. And I used to fill it with all this, like, these thought bubbles and all the things that I wanted to do. And I lost that version of me. But, like, that's still alive. That's still me. I just had trauma happen and, you know, belief systems imprinted. And so I started to challenge this belief of, like, fault versus responsibility. Like, I'm not at fault for my mom or you know the sexual assaults or any of that stuff but I'm responsible that I didn't get the help you know like I mm. didn't I avoided all of it I didn't want to go to therapy I literally told my therapist I remember this in college I told my therapist about my sexual assault because it was court mandated I had to go um and I went and I remember sitting there and it was like this weird experience I remember there was like a camera that had to record me and I was like I'm so irritated. I didn't even want to go to the freaking like, I didn't want to do any of this. I just wanted to forget it. it happened. And I told her everything and I got up and I left and I was like, and I'm never coming back again. And I left and I remember, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure this is against the rules, but she like wrote me a letter, left it at my house on a mailbox. And I was like, I wish you would come back, whatever like this. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about any of this stuff. I don't want to like, I'm disassociating, you know, I'm not ready. And mm. I think when we're going through things, we do kind of play the victim role for a little bit. And I think that's okay, you know? And then we move into the space of survivor. And it's very ego-driven, but we also need that. And I stepped fiercely into that survivor, like, holy pickles. I walked out of domestically violent relationship. I walked into the 12 steps. Like, I'm a freaking survivor. Like, I wore it like a badge. And I was so proud of it. And then all of a sudden we get to a part where like, even now, now that I live back in the state, like my friends don't really know this stuff about me. I don't like, that's like, I talk about that. Like as my life, life number three, like we're on life number five now. Like we don't, you know, and like, it's just a part of the journey. It's like, I'm wearing a vest and like, it's just a badge. It's no longer the full vest. It's just a badge that I'm wearing on my vest. And it's definitely built me for who I am and obviously built my career and helps me, you know, teach. And also what I realized in that moment at 24 that kind of really struck this to be a thing is I'm not, I'm not a mother, not a mother yet, but it was like, how do I want to tell my daughter about this moment? Like, how, how do I really, who, how would I want her to be, you know? And, you know, I didn't know I was going to be a coach yet. I, I, I had a feeling I wanted to be a public speaker and to like do these kind of things. And, but 
it comes down to, and I, I view my life this for everything, my recent breakup a few months ago, like, how do I want to tell my daughter about this? Who, what's, if this is the most legendary moment in my life, what is the story I want to tell about this moment, even though my heart is breaking and my knees are on the floor and I have no idea what the outcome of this is, like, how do I want to tell this story if I make it out of here alive? What is that? And mm -hmm. that is something I held on to so strongly. I'm a huge journaler. I, you know, I started to just kind of write these stories of what was happening in my life where I was like, it's not just for me. My life has never been for me. And at times I didn't get it because I was in victim role and I was in survival and all that kind of stuff. But in my eyes, God, God doesn't make mistakes. Like he put me into these situations so I could do what I'm doing now. And, you know, I can help whoever it is, whether it's big scale things or it's my daughter one day, like to shift this generational trauma because it doesn't help anyone to sit in the victim role and to have someone come into my life and go, here, child, let me pick you up and put you on my knee and I will protect you. It's like, no, mm -hmm. you don't, if you don't know better, you can't do better. But if you start to know better and you're listening to a podcast or you read a book or you saw a quote or whatever we see on Instagram nowadays, like if you now know better and you're not doing better, that's when you have to start look at what is your radical responsibility over your life or are you just playing in the victim because you know better and then you get more and more disappointed that you're not doing better and then you keep making silly decisions and we get into these wormholes and it's like no like set a new standard for your life like you were talking about and start to elevate that and if you need something or some type of purpose like surrounding yourself in the environments that hold you to that caliber that's why i went to the 12 steps that's why i started to go to therapy and reiki and like I needed someone to hold me to a higher caliber because I didn't have the accountability for myself yet. That was a really long answer, sorry, but mm. there's a lot to it. <laughs> perfect. No, I that was a perfect answer. Thank you very much. I think that painted an awesome, awesome picture. And it got me thinking a lot of just my past experiences and I, I love keeping things in remembrance and always remembering core moments in my life where like you're saying, when you were just a young little girl, you was like, I remember I said I wanted to change the world. And that core moment came back and, and helps push you through things. I as well love, and I hope that everybody notices this when they listen to it, but I, I love that there's moments where you turned outside of yourself and those moments kind of helped you where you're like, what about my future daughter? What about people that I can help? What about my brother? I can't put him through, you know, another terrible traumatic experience. You were able to turn outward rather than looking just inward. And I think that to me is, is like the biggest of biggest <laughs> accomplishments. Um, anytime that we're able to kind of take a step away from ourselves, it, it helps us see things in a bigger view. I often thought, just like you're saying, I... I guess one time I expected, <laughs> I'm not even going to lie, I, I, I served a mission for my church for two years. Um, I did like a church missionary service. We went out, we taught the gospel, we served people, we built stuff. It was very fun. Um, really awesome experience. And I, I lived in South Africa for two years doing this. And I remember getting to a point where I thought I was pretty close to God. And <laughs> I remember praying and being like, you know, Heavenly Father, I just let me see a vision. <laughs> and I genuinely thought that he was going to show me a vision. And I all my answers and all these questions I had would just be, you know, just be answered right there on the spot. And I genuinely wanted that. And I paused after, you know, months of it not happening. 
And I looked at my situation and I said, if that were to happen, where would my faith in life be? Like you're saying, you said you're expecting like this knight in shining armor to show up, but it's like, where would that put me? All it would do is put me back in the victim spot. All it would do is put me back in a position where I don't have to work for what I believe in. I don't have to attempt to do anything beyond just seeing. And I think that that has ample amount of power to it. And I really like the way that you put that. You know, no one's going to come and save you. It's like mm -hmm. I have to take this radical responsibility and make a difference in my life. And then the best part about it is that Life Must Go On is the name of the podcast. And I believe that you summed it up very awesomely in you took what you learned. You realize, hey, God doesn't make mistakes. I am going to take all the things and all the places that he's put me in and then do something with it and actually move it forward and, and bless somebody else's life. I think that is so cool. And so I want to play devil's advocate and have you answer some questions, okay? Perfect. Can I say a quote? That so I heard I'm going to be. Yes. Please, I think it, before we jump into this, because it goes hand in hand with what you just said. It's like confidence in God's promise yeah. without commitment to his process is not dependence, it's delusion. And I'm like, mm. that's exactly what that wow. is. It's like y you have to commit also to the process. Like, you can't just like pray and hope it will. You know, it's like you have to put yourself in the arenas and you know, show up in it. So as you were speaking, that's what I was looking at. Cause I was like, Oh, that's exactly what I wrote down the Dang. other day. From church. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And then you have moments like this when you're actually acting and all of a sudden these things click and you're like, dang, I just barely was looking at the other day. Whenever people are like, I'm not seeing miracles in my life. I'm like, you're not searching because mm -hmm. they'll come. Mm -hmm. Um, very, very cool. You're going to have to, you're going to have to email me that so I, I can have that quote <laughs> because I, I think that's dope. Um, so from the standpoint of you helping people, I'm going to play the victim in this case. And I have some pretty tragic stories from my life and I'm just going to bring them up and then you answer them the way that you would if you were helping somebody. Because <laughs> I want to, I want to hear what you'd say and I want to see your advice. So I just recently, my stepmom, we had a really terrible relationship and nobody really could ever get along with her. And just recently we had a huge fight and I got kicked out of my house and had I was, I was kind of forced to find my own path, find my own money, find all these things at just a young age. I don't wanna, I don't wanna progress. I feel as if, you know, the world's kind of turned its back against me. I don't know what to do anymore. Mm. And so what, what gives you a sense of purpose? If, if this were to be, and you had total faith in the fact, and you might not have it now, but if you could just play a game with me, if you, if this was happening all for you, if you needed to find your strength to walk on your own, if, you know, it was for a bigger purpose, what do you feel like that purpose would be outside of yourself? Maybe. Hmm. Maybe I could say helping other people have better relationships with their family members. Mm, I love that. And so is there any way that you can start to maybe not reconnect, but start to build that type of forgiveness for what had happened with your stepmom? Because at the end of the day, we are all just a bunch of traumatized seven-year-olds running around in these human shells. And what she did to you is just a protection mechanism of her own thing. 
And so the more we hang on to that anger, the more we limit our own self-worth and, you know, really our independence. And at the end of the day, once you eventually get there, you're going to see it's a good thing, but it's going to take a little bit of time to get there. So building those steps of, can I, I love these practices and you can maybe take this with you where it's like writing a forgiveness letter and really letting it just like rip, like how actually no the first thing i would say is like let yourself be freaking angry about this like there is a child inside of you but the thing is the child that is carrying that is not the person that's in front of us right like we are responding from a seven-year-old but we're no longer the seven-year-old so is there a way that you can tap in and see that wounded seven-year-old but come in with the adult that you are because that child doesn't have to carry it anymore and it was too much for that child but it's it's not enough for the human that you are right now so can you help that child carry it out and let yourself get angry, complete that cycle of whatever trauma is stored in it. And I mean, that's something that we can work on over time is really completing that cycle. But once we can kind of get that rage out, we can work on this forgiveness aspect will eventually set you free and, you know, realign you with a purpose. But how does that feel for you? Hmm. Dope. That's sweet. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> I love that. You killed that. You freaking killed that. That was perfect. I'm like, dang, I'm about to start crying right now. <laughs> about to get emotional and be like, man, I should have thought about these things, you know, back in my past. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you very much. I really, really like that. I love that you, I love that you asked questions and the questions sparked my thoughts. And then from there, then you were able to give advice. I think leading with questions is so important because sometimes if you tell people things when they're not ready to hear them, they're, they're just going to get pissed off even more than they're already mm -hmm. pissed off. Exactly. So I think that is awesome. Let's do one more. Okay. Okay. <laughs> By the way, I, 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 for my job, oftentimes they're like, let's do role plays and I hate role plays, but this, this is fun because I'm the one asking questions. You're, you're the one, you're the one doing what you do. Um, so I, ever since my, ever since my mom passed away, I, can't every time i feel anxious or nervous all i want to do is eat and it doesn't matter what it is i'll grab snacks whether it's you know a twinkie whether it's hummus anything i will just get my hands on and i just eat and eat and eat and i've put on a lot of weight and i don't i don't know how to stop mm. yeah grief is a wild thing isn't it what what time of the days do you usually find yourself doing this uh, anything between, uh, I mean, I don't wake up very early, so we'll say from 10 o'clock and really, really it's like the times where I'm not doing things early in the morning and then a little bit in the afternoon and then the evening. Okay. So you say mostly it's, it's when you're not doing anything. And so do you feel like mm -hmm. the food is filling some type of void? Yeah. Yeah. So if we kind of can look at that, right? Where it's like, you may, you may not be able to witness it right now, but there is generally a feeling before the action, right? And so if you want to, after we have this conversation, you can go back and you can think of the last time this happened and try to identify the feeling in your body before the action takes place. Cause you know, for me, when this used to happen, it was like, I would feel it kind of like in my heart because I was lonely, you know? And, and the more I could focus on the loneliness, the more I could start to focus on the relationship with my food or with the food and heal that. But 
and there's something underneath it. It's not food itself. It's not the weight. It's not that. This is just a coping mechanism. You're doing a totally normal thing. It's okay. It's fixable. But when we can start to take the time and space to identify the feeling and then we can start to work from there. So bring a journal, do whatever, start to work with that and then come back here and we can start to kind of play with that and regulate yourself um, and really start to complete that cycle in your nervous system. How does that feel? Hmm. Stellar. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Laura, you got mad skills at this. It's like you do this professionally or something like that. Wow. <laughs> that is so cool. Um, I'll have you know, this is the first time I've ever done something like this on the podcast. I love that. This is actually this is the first exciting. time I've ever done it. That was great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, hey, you're freaking good, man. And now you can listen back to this and be like, dang, I got mad skills. Um, I love that. Once again, started with questions acknowledged my acknowledged my position and that it's like hey listen this is a normal thing it's 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 your reaction to what's going on but it is fixable and i like that you said that because it's like yeah it is you know this happens to people but it doesn't mean it's you know what we're gonna keep doing <laughs> like let's it's got to be fixed that was awesome i think that's really cool and i think it's cool because you deal with people who go through this every single day and mm -hmm you find people who deal with these kinds of things all of the time. Um, I think, hmm, how can I say this? Let me phrase, let me, let me jumble my thoughts real quick. I think it's really cool to develop patterns that can help in people's lives. What are some patterns that you teach people, um, whether it's the people that you're dealing with, well, I guess with all of it wrapped up with relationships, with all the women that you work with, um, overcoming trauma, those kinds of things. What are some of the patterns that you help them go through to overcome it? So I work with an acronym called SHE, S-H-E. So self-knowledge, healing, mm. embodiment. So first off, you have to understand yourself. You have to have awareness. You have to want to have awareness. A lot of us don't want self-awareness. We love to point the finger and we forget that as we do that, three fingers are pointing back at us. Um, so we have to- I got big fingers. I like, <laughs> I like pointing. I'm pointing and then three of them head back, you know? And so again, going back to the radical ownership, but knowing about yourself. So knowing, you know, how to nourish yourself, how to move your body, what states of your nervous system you're in, how things make you feel, how you want to be received, how you, you know, what you want out of life and really taking these moments. That's why I have such a wildly large product suite of different things because there's so much to learn about ourselves. It just depends what you're, what you're currently in. And then we can step into the healing phase where that's where you start to reprogram what you're normal. Like if you think of your brain as like a jungle, especially over the age of 30, those pathways are very sturdy, like they are built. And so we have to come in with a machete and create a new pathway within the jungle. And it takes repetition and time. And then ultimately it steps into this embodiment phase where, you know, I don't have to think about going to the gym. That's a natural thing. I don't have to think about the foods that I have to eat. That's a natural thing. Like at first it feels like work at the healing phase because you're laying these new neural pathways and new habits, but then it's this embodiment phase where it's like, oh, this is just like me. This is me now. And I claim it to be. And so those are, those are the patterns that I walk people through. Each one is different based on what we're working on. Um, whether it's like boundaries or codependency or, you know, attachment styles and things like that. But that's the acronym of generally what we walk people through. Hmm, cool. I love acronyms. That's very, very cool. <laughs> um, I think it's just, it's just really cool to see 
the process of kind of looking outside of yourself, acknowledging and, and taking responsibility of not necessarily all the time of, like you said, sometimes things happen to you that's not your fault at all. And you don't need to take responsibility for something that you're not at fault for, but it's taking responsibility for how you respond to that and and what your what the outcome's going to be because I think too many people were like well you just need to fix it like just take care of it but it's like I I didn't cause this so they feel victimized they feel hurt and they feel like they're not being heard but the way that you put it is in a way where it's like no you are heard but we got to move forward let's let's mm-hmm. overcome this um I'm going to ask you one two more questions and then we'll close up Thank you so much for everything you said so far. It's been awesome. Um, this one, it just came to my mind, and I know it's important for a lot of people, and I've met several people who have had this issue more than I'd expected to, in all honesty. I think that I'm a decent guy, and I've been on several... I mean, currently I'm dating a girl, but prior to dating I her, I've been on several dates with people. And I don't know, I'm a pretty open and talkative person. And so people open up to me often. And Mm. I have come across several girls who more than I would expect have been raped before. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've told me about it and they've opened up about it. And I know how hard it is for them and their situations. And I know how difficult it is to overcome something like that. Um, Because it's very demoralizing and it just, it does a lot of damage beyond physical damage. Mm -hmm. And so I assume you've dealt with plenty of people who have been through this. Um, What do you, what what is your best advice for people who have been through that? Yeah. Um, One, understanding it's not your fault. Like when I went through my rape and unfortunately, anytime I shared about it, I did get victim blamed a every time up until the most recent man that I'm dating. Um, but that's a you thing, right? Like no matter what anyone says, it's not your fault. No matter what you were drinking, what you were wearing, what, what happened, what the court case was like, it was never your freaking fault. Um, and there's only, it depends. There's three ways that you can address trauma, right? Like top down, you can cerebrally understand things. You can somatically move things, or you can do like a sideways approach, which is what I do, which is, you know, we, it's like a sandwich. You like do the brain stuff. You understand it. You get to the origin, whatever. And you do the somatic work and you release it from your body. For me, a lot of like sexual liberation and, you know, getting comfortable with your body again, you know, like do you spend time admiring your own body and getting comfortable with it again? Cause that is ripped from us. A lot of us where it's like, I don't even want to look at my body. I don't have a comfortable looking at myself naked. Like, I don't want to do that. And we take it out on our body or we think we can, you know, hide it away or we're having like, I don't know. We're just like afraid of intimacy. I see that a lot and they want to overdo stuff and shy away from any of these vulnerable things because that's the most vulnerable position you can put yourself in, you know, and it's ripped from you. Um, so there's plenty of ways for trauma. It's, it's, we got to get back into the body and have a comfortable relationship with our body because trauma, yes, a lot of people think it's an event, but trauma is how your body responds to an event. And you could only talk so much about that. You have to get back into your body and release it. And 
you know, go through these somatic practices so that we can actually complete the cycle of what got like you go through fight, fight, freeze. And usually you think of this like animals, like when they freeze and then they shake it off or like a dog that almost gets in a fight and then he shakes it off. Like that's not their nervous system working. We have to do the same thing in humans, but oftentimes we're trying to address trauma with only a cerebral conversation when we got to get back into the body to release it. Yeah. So it's, it's looking at that and like finding that someone that's finding someone that you're comfortable with doing that with because it is vulnerable, you know, but you know, you're strong. You made it through it. You walked it through the hardest thing that you will probably ever go through. And for me, I like to like me, I'm like a bold personality. My whole thing was like, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to reclaim these words. I'm going to step into this seductress energy. Like I am not letting someone take this from me. Um, but that was a mm. 10 year, 15 year journey until, so it takes time. Give yourself patience. Yeah. hundred percent. Thank you. And thank you for being open about that. I'm sure it's not the easiest thing. So thank you very much. Um, final question and then we'll wrap things up. I like asking this question because everybody gives a slightly different response and I think it's very cool. And this is the one question, the whole podcast that I plan out <laughs> um, as of recent, not even at the beginning, but as of recent. For you, name of the podcast, Life Must Go On. In your own words, Laura, what is Life Must Go On? What does that mean to you? Mm. So what's coming fresh is my mom's license plate was live life seven. And so I feel like it's that life must go on because you got to live it, you know, and at the end of the day, we get to live so many lifetimes in this life. And it's like, that's why I love like quantum healing, because it's like, how much can I fit in this lifetime? We get one of them, you know, whatever you believe in past lives and whatever, and, you know, what happens next, this current moment, like you only get once. And like, if you truly take radical ownership that you're the artist of your life, you get to make it however you want, whatever story you want to write, how the outcomes you have, like you get to live your life in all its many colorful forms. Like, what do you want to paint? What do you want to make? Like, can you believe in magic a little bit more? And I know it's hard, but you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's a choice. It is a choice for what you want to do. So it must go on. So what are you choosing? Mm. Boom. I love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you very much. Laura, today's conversation has been fantastic and I'm grateful for all of the awesome insights that you've been able to share. I've written down tons of stuff. And so I'll make sure written down. Do you say written down? Wrote down. Mm. I've written down, written down. Written's written a word, yeah. right? Written yeah, yeah, I've written okay. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've written down tons of notes and I know that a lot of my listeners are really, really going to enjoy the things that you said and um, they're going to be able to learn from it and I've learned from it. And so thank you so much for coming on the show, being open, being vulnerable with us for a little bit and sharing a lot of your experience. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, we'll get you on again in the future. We'll just wrap it up. Don't even worry about it. But uh, do you have anything else you'd like to say to everybody? Um, Y'all can do hard things. Like, believe in that. Y'all can do hmm. hard things and just, just hold that power. And, you know, if if you're feeling like you can't carry the weight yourself, go, go get the support you want. Like it's, we like to think when we're going through things that we're the only one, like 
working in this field, you are definitely not the only one. Like <laughs> there's so many people out there that can support yeah. you. So go get the help you need because it's true. life, life must go on, baby. <laughs> hey, you heard it. Life must go on. Woo. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>